we're going to be over in three different Gospels here this morning. Mainly, we're going to be in Mark's Gospel in chapter 1. We're going to be taking a look at a particular miracle. And what we're going to try and get to here at the end is, if you have ever wondered what it is that can help make permanent change inside people, this we can we can see that in this miracle. We can see it in so many other ones too, but there's a place we can see this in here. That people desire to have permanent change. They desire to have the Lord of God change them on the inside. And we're going to see what doesn't and what does and how we can bring about that kind of permanent change for us. Now, we took a look at this about a year ago. And I don't usually like to go back over something that soon because there's so many places in Scripture to get to. But I'm already having trouble because we didn't go over the nobleman because we just started going over him about seven months ago. And I keep thinking, boy, that's the nobleman. That's the... And we, there's a principle, well, that's the nobleman. We see that in the nobleman. So um, I, I do have to refer back to that miracle. I don't want to have to do that for this because there are some things we need to learn from this. So it may be review for you. You may remember, oh, yeah, we just went over that. But I have to make sure that we all have this because we're learning some things from the miracles of healing that Jesus did to help us understand how we can have this operate in our life. And also reach out to other people and help them. We always want to make sure we keep that twofold purpose. It's not just to help you. It's also to help you to help others. But last week we were looking at the unclean spirit and the fever. Then we saw that in the unclean spirit, Jesus cast it out by his word. He came to the fever. He did the same thing with his word, with the fever. And I, I kicked myself afterwards because I, I completely left something off. You remember I was telling you about that part where Jesus just said it once? I let it go. I didn't tell you anything more about that. And I said after this, oh, how did I let that go? But we're going to be in the same place here in this one, so we'll go over it again. But I want to make sure that you see this because there's a, there's a confusing element that is in the body of Christ right now. I see it very often, and they, it, the confusing element comes from this. So we want to help you uh, understand that. So if I do forget it again, Raise your hand, throw something at me, whatever we need to be doing. But if you want to bring about change in the situation in your life, we saw that one of the main ways that we see when God wanted to bring about change, he spoke to it. When Jesus wanted to bring about change, he spoke to it. We've got to look at speaking to the changes that we need and not just begging, pleading, ask God to change it, wait, hope that God acts on our behalf, do something good to get God to move. No, we speak to the situation. And religion will bring you into the first three. The world will bring you into the first three. But the Spirit of God will lead you into the final one. And the world won't understand it and will will pick on you for it. But the way that we go with God is separate from the world. We have to make sure that we stay in, in that. So let's read this over. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. One of the reasons this is such an important story to look at is because the person here, the, the man with the, who's a leper, we don't know his name, we're not given his name. This is covered in three Gospels. All three Gospels have this and the similarities between them are astounding. They all exactly get this question the same. There is no variance on it at all. This is important because a lot of times people will say, well, I know God can heal. 
but I don't know if he will heal me. How many times have you heard that from people? This question that he has is still a question we have in the church today. We have not overcome it. Now, maybe you folks, no, no, I know it's always his will to heal until you get in there, until something is going on. Well, I know it's God's will to heal me, but I'm not sure if he's going to heal me of this. And excuses can come up. So we got to understand what happens with this. And there's just a few verses, but they're real important ones. Matthew chapter 8 puts it this way. When he had come down, this is verse 1 and this beginning in verse 1. The same story is in Matthew 8 and verse 1. If any of you have listened to me and have pulled up olive tree. How many folks have listened to me and gone out on your phones and pulled up olive tree for a software? Boy, nobody. One person. Thank you for both of you. Appreciate both of you folks doing that. <laughs> if you haven't gotten olive tree yet and you're using another Bible app, I'm telling you, this will blow it out of the water. You'll much, much prefer to get this one once you get it. It is, it is a free app. You can buy translations for it. I'm not selling Olive Tree. I don't get anything out of this. Nobody knows if I promote it to you. But if you get it, you can get one translation free. I recommend the New King James Version. But you can get other things free for as well. If you were to pull this up on your phone, this is why I'm bringing this up to you now. If you were to pull this up on your phone and you were to look at the story with the, 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 the leprous man, up at the top, in green, in the Olive Tree app, it lists every place where that story is told. And if you want to compare it, all you need to do is touch it, and it goes right there. And you can read it. You can even do a split screen and have one on the top and one on the bottom. It is a phenomenal app. I really enjoy it. I have seen other Bible apps for your phone. They don't work as good as this one. What is really nice, too, is you have different devices. If you have an iPad, if you have an Android phone, if you have a Windows computer, if you have an Apple computer, it makes no difference because it will work on all of them. And whatever you do in one, you sync it, and it will be synced in all the other places. It will be synced on your Apple phone, on your Android phone, on your iPad, on your computer. They will all have the same bookmarks. They will all have the same translations. All those things can be the same all around. There are not many apps that do this. I'll tell you, I love it. I keep it on my phone. When I do my daily Bible reading, I do it from there. And I, I think I told you, I use the, the uh, Strong's New King James because when I'm reading, I constantly want to look at what's the Greek word here and I can just touch it and it gives me the Greek word, but you can get it in English. And you don't need any Greek training to, to read the definition and to understand it. And there's so much more you can do just with that, but we're not going to get over into that we won't have time for all this but here in matthew chapter 8 if you had it on your olive tree app it would show you matthew chapter 8 and also luke chapter 5 it would give you the passages for each of these places you can go there and compare it when he had come down from the mountain so now we know he came down from the mountain great multitudes followed him and behold a leper came and worshiped him saying lord if you are willing you can make me clean now what we pick up from matthew here is that he had come down from a mountain he come down, great multitudes were following him, so he was not by himself or was not just with his disciples. So when the leper approaches him, we know that he approached him with a multitude. Now going back to Mark's gospel, when it says, now a leper came, the verb is in the historic present. We have nothing like that in the English, but basically it would be translated this way. And there comes a leper. So we're talking about this in the past tense, but we're putting it in the present tense. Is basically what it is. 
So it's a past tense that's already happened, but we're talking about it like it's happening now. It's called the historic present. I'm sure that was real important to two of you. Now to him, the last time we looked at this, we had just gotten done covering this word in depth. This word is used something like 7,000 times in the Bible. So it was really tough to get a real in-depth. But this is that word pros, which is basically telling us that this man came almost face to face with Jesus. And he's a leper. And there's a crowd. He then says imploring him. This is the Greek word parakaleo. And it means to make an urgent appeal. Para, of course, that means he's coming up right alongside. He says, if you are willing. Now, there are two words. This is what I want you to get out of this one. There are two words in Greek meaning to be willing or to or to be willing. You could use two different words you could use in this situation. One word, which is thalo, which means a desire that comes from one's emotions. A desire that comes from one's emotions. My emotions are stirred up. I want to see this thing go on. So, if we are, if we are watching the Hallmark film, and we get to the end, and we see that trauma has come in to the, to the man and woman in the, in, in the film, right? Trauma has come in, and now they are separating. And we are moved with emotion. No! Don't do that! Don't believe that bad report, because it's always them believing a bad report. That's always just the way that it is. If they would just read the Bible, they wouldn't do this. <laughs> But uh, that's not how they go. We're always yelling at us. No, stop believing the bad report. Go talk to them. Confirm it. Find out. Do what the Bible says. They don't do it. They get mad. Then they go away from each other. But that is a, a desire that comes out of your emotions. But the word that is used here, it is a desire that comes from one's reason. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm messing this up. There's a desire that comes from reason. We're actually using the first word, the one that comes from emotions. When he says, when he says it this way, if you are willing, if you are willing, if you would desire this from your emotions, the second word means to desire from reason. This is means you reason it out. Well, I think it is reasonable that you would desire to give me a raise because I have worked hard. I've put an extra time. We're reasoning this out. There's a difference between getting someone to be willing and reasoning it out and getting someone to be willing because you're pulling on their heartstrings. And this is what he's doing. He's trying to pull on Jesus' heartstrings. If you are willing, he's using this particular word. We wouldn't see this in English because in English we'd say, if you are willing. And that's it. But what he is saying is, if you are willing at the emotional level, if you can feel emotion for me, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The word here, you can, comes from the, the Greek word dunamai. You can hear dunamis in, in that one. To have power, to be able. You can... You, will, you have the power. You are able. The leper does not doubt Jesus' ability to heal him. He only doubts his willingness. This is the way the world goes. This is really much of the same opinion that the world has, that religion has. We know that God is all-powerful, but I don't know if he is willing to use that power for me. This is, uh, this is the question that this answers. Now, if you'll notice in the Bible that it is always talking about with lepers that they are cleansed. If you are willing, you can, you can cleanse me. You can cleanse me of leprosy. It's always a cleansing because leprosy was seen as a sinful, something based in sin. And if you wanted to get healed, it wasn't healed. It was cleansed. 
because there was a cleansing that was involved just the same way that there's a cleansing from sin. So you'll always see this terminology used, cleanse, when it was talking about a leprosy. There is a healing that needs to go on with the leprosy as well because the leprosy would eat things. They would eat parts of your body. So a person who had leprosy, their part of their ear would be gone. All of their ear would be gone. Part of their fingers are gone. Part of their feet are gone. Parts of their body are disappearing because this disease eats them away. So that's what we're facing. Now, we translates this this way. And there comes to him a leper, begging him and kneeling, saying to him, If you are willing, you have power to cleanse me. If you are willing, you have power to cleanse me. So this is, he's coming to Jesus the same way most people come. I know you can, but I don't know if you will. The devil loves getting people in this trap. Because as long as I can keep you in this trap, it's fine that you believe that God is able. But as long as you don't think he will step in on your behalf, that power is shut off. Luke puts it this way. And it's important to see what Luke adds because Luke is the physician. And it happened, this is verse 12 of Luke chapter 5. And it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. All three gospels put this question he asked exactly the same way. They even use the same Greek words. He was full of leprosy. This means we did not have a case that he had to take him aside and examine him. You could tell by looking at him, this man was a leper. This man had parts of his face missing. This man had ears might be gone. Fingers are gone. Maybe even an arm has been affected. Uh, whatever it might be. But this thing, he is full of leprosy. That means when you look upon this man, just about every place that you can see, there is leprosy. There is something eating away at his body. This man is fully engaged with the leprosy. This man has no hope of survival outside of a miracle. They have no way of curing this disease in these days. So he comes to Jesus. Now, it is not lawful for him to come into a crowd and especially approach a rabbi in this way. But I think he is so desperate in Luke's description here. He is full of leprosy. I am going to die anyway. What more can you do? I'm going to die. I've got this last bit of hope here to get in front of Jesus. And so that's what he does. He gets this last bit of hope. He gets in front of Jesus. And even though he, it seems like he has broken some rules, certainly he has broken some Pharisee rules, if not some of the, uh, the Levitical rules, he is he's there. He probably hasn't touched anybody. But if you are this full of leprosy, if you even have leprosy at all, you're supposed to always be saying when you're in a crowd, uh, unclean, unclean. So the people know to stay away from you. He wasn't doing that. He comes to Jesus and he's not saying unclean. He's saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now this man had heard about or he had seen Jesus healing people. The story we looked at last week when he came and he was, he cast out the demon spirit. When he came and he, and the, spoke to the fever. Now, not everybody was in the room when that happened, but people heard about it. And then they brought the sick to him. They came to the house and they brought the sick. All night long, they're bringing sick people to him. 
this man was probably somewhere around there. He probably heard this. That was probably only a day or two ago. He heard about all this kind of stuff going on. He saw that this was happening. I don't know if he saw any lepers healed. This is the first recorded miracle in Jesus' ministry that involves the healing of a leper. There is no... All the ones that are come after this. This is the very first one. If you want to get the order of this, as we have it in the Gospels, I cannot tell you this is actually how it was in Jesus' ministry. I can only tell you this is how it was in the Gospels as we have it recorded. This is the seventh miracle. This is the fourth healing. And there has been one mass healing event. This is the seventh miracle. Start off with the miracle of Cana. But not all miracles were healing. But this is the fourth healing miracle that we've had. We had the nobleman. We had the unclean spirit cast out. We had the fever. And then we had the, the mass meetings. This is the fourth healing miracle that we have. One mass meeting. I don't know how many people were, were in that, but the whole town, the whole group there was all, all taken care of. Everyone that they brought to Jesus was healed. But now this leper comes. This man saw something that gave him a glimmer of hope that if I can get in front of Jesus and if he is willing, I can be made clean. And then I maybe I can live a little bit longer because this man is full of leprosy. So he heard about Jesus. He'd seen Jesus healing people, whatever it was. He knew that he had the ability to heal. That's not a question for him. But the leper didn't know Jesus the person. He didn't know who Jesus was. He hadn't met him, hadn't talked with him. He only knew of Jesus' ability, so he wondered about his willingness. See, there's a whole lot of people in this world, they know about God's abilities. They know about abilities through Jesus. But they don't know Jesus. You can know all about the abilities of God, but that doesn't mean you know God. You can know all about the abilities of Jesus, but it doesn't mean you know Jesus. This man knew about the abilities of Jesus, but he did not know Jesus himself. Didn't know his heart. Now I put this in your outline to make sure you get this. What the leper didn't know didn't keep him from Jesus. Just from a miracle. What this person did not know. He didn't know about Jesus personally. He didn't know about his willingness. But it didn't keep him from Jesus. But it did keep him from his miracle. There's a whole lot of people that could be having a miracle. But they, they know to come to Jesus. But they don't know how to, how to get that miracle. Now think about this. Did Jairus or the woman with the issue of blood, did they know Jesus? No, they knew about Jesus. They knew about the things that he did. And both of them made an appearance to Jesus. They knew about Jesus. The centurion, did he know Jesus? He did not. He knew about Jesus. The nobleman, he didn't know Jesus either. He knew about Jesus. And he came out and asked him. The Canaanite woman, she didn't know Jesus. She knew about Jesus. But in some of those, in those situations, we'll get to, to those miracles as we're getting on down the road. What they didn't know wasn't as much of a hindrance for them. The woman with the issue of blood, she didn't know if Jesus was willing. But that didn't keep her from getting her miracle, did it? Just because you don't know everything doesn't mean you can't get your miracle. 
That's a good thing. So what was the leper knowledgeable of that caused him to wonder about the willingness of Jesus? Didn't seem to have a problem with the Canaanite woman. Didn't seem to have a problem with the woman with the issue of blood. Didn't seem to have a problem with Jairus. What is it that he knew? Was it something in the ministry of Jesus? Was it, what, did he see something and interpret a certain way? Was it something that other people said? How many times have we heard what other people have said and that's kept us from pursuing a miracle that we needed? Maybe it's something that he imagined. Maybe it's how others have treated him up till now. Or maybe it's his own view of himself. Whatever it is, something stirred this inside and he was hindered. Now he's... He's going to get to know Jesus a little bit here. Just to give you a little tease on this one. Remember how we saw with the, the, the lame man and how the miracle didn't change him? We saw at the end, uh, Jesus had to come to him and say, now, quit sinning. Get out, of, get out of the sin. Let's the worst thing come upon you. And then we looked at his attitude afterwards and how he ran to the, to the Pharisees. Now, that's not, not a good thing. We're going to see this is the second one where the miracle does not change him. We'll find out why about that as well. Now, not everyone who comes to Jesus struggles with his willingness. There's no good thing about struggling with the willingness of God. It doesn't help you out at all. The religion will try and get you in there. The devil's going to try and feed everything he can to you to keep you wondering about his will- willingness. Now, if you were here with us before when we went over this, we spent a little bit more time with this than I'm going to today. But Leviticus 13, the law spends a good bit of time about what priests need to do in regards to those who healed, who were healed of leprosy. According to Jesus, no one was healed. In Luke 4.27, and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So Jesus is telling us there that, hey, there was nobody in Israel healed then. And apparently it wasn't a very common thing. And so he brought it up to you that can you imagine being a priest from the time of Moses and being schooled in Leviticus 13? This is how you need to go about doing things with a leper. This is the procedure for them getting healed. And no one has been healed. What would you think? I don't think we need to learn this anymore. Why are we wasting time on Leviticus chapter 13 when we could be spending time elsewhere? Why have we learned this? It's never been applied to anybody. No one's ever needed it. But still, here in Jesus' day, all these hundreds of years, they have been learning what to do when a leper is healed. Even the priests in Jesus' day know what to do when a leper is healed, even though no one's been healed. And then comes along this guy. So he says, you can make me clean. Notice this, he does not deny his situation. He acknowledges that it can change. There's a whole lot of things going on in the area of confession that just keep people in bondage. And uh, especially in the charismatic circles. We've got to make sure we don't fall into that. This man does not need to deny that he's a leper. He just needs to realize that my situation can change. You don't need to go around looking at your physical situation that you have and deny that it exists to get it to change. You just have to see that it can change. 
Abraham, how many times did Abraham speak to his childless situation? Think about it. Run through all those scriptures about Abraham. How many times did Abraham speak to his childless situation? None. Isn't that interesting? Abraham did not speak to his childless situation. He did not go out there and say to Sarah, You shall be with child. He didn't come out there and do that, did he? But you see, that's how a lot of us learn faith. We learn to, we have to go out there and, and to do this. We have to, uh, we have to follow the example of God. All right, well, well the little thing I hinted at begin, we're just going to get into it now. How many times did God say, let there be light? One, one time? Just once? He just did it one time, didn't he? He didn't go through all the other things that he did. He said it one time. Why, if God says it one time, do we have to keep saying it? Why do I feel like that every morning I need to wake up, I am healed? Why do I feel like I need to do that? If the example in the Bible isn't that way. When he came up to the, to the fever, how many times did he speak to the fever? One time. How many times did he speak to the demon spirit? One time. Now you're all thinking of Mark chapter 9. What about there? He spoke to that demon. He said that a couple of times. We'll get there. But why are you basing so much doctrine on your understanding of one scripture and not your understanding of hundreds? Why are we doing that? Now, why is it that Abraham never spoke to his situation? Oh, for me, it's simple. Because God did. God spoke to his situation. God called him a father of many nations. Now, Abraham does not have to say those same words. What Abraham needed to do, and he didn't do this right off the bat. That's why it was hindered. What Abraham needed to do was to have words consistent with what God declared. You don't need to have a confession over your body every single day to get your body to get in line. What you need to do is have words consistent with what you have already declared or with what God has declared. That's all you need to do. You see, the enemy loves to get us into bondage. You didn't wake up and confess this morning. That's why you're feeling pain. Oh, that's what it is. Oh, all right. I confess I am he. You're in bondage to that. No, you don't need to be doing that. Follow the example that God gave us. Declare it. If it's something that you need to declare, then declare it. If it's something that God has already declared, then just acknowledge it and get your conversation to line up like Abraham did. We could spend a whole day on just that, but we're not going to. Now, many people in the Bible in this healing area, the woman with the issue of blood, other ones we already mentioned, they had a general word or understanding that Jesus could or had done something. But would he be willing to do it for me? The woman with the issue of blood, she concluded, he would. <laughs> Jarius concluded, he would. This man hadn't come to that conclusion yet. 
We know God is able, but is he willing to act on my behalf? Is he willing to act for me? Many believers know that the word, what the word promises. I know what the word promises. I know what the word declares, but they wonder, will it really happen for me? Am I worthy? Have I been made, have I made him unwilling? Do I have enough faith? Am I doing something wrong? Is there sin in my life that disqualifies me? Is the promise for today? Do I understand the scriptures correctly? Am I doing enough to qualify? All these questions can come in and they can take away what we understand generally so we never make it something specific. This is what people did in the Bible when they got their miracle. They took something general they understood in the word and they made it something specific. The one with the issue of blood, when we get there, I always have fun when we get to, get to her. Because she took something general and she made it specific and though no one had done it, it worked for her. Let's go on. We only got through one verse. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Matthew puts it this way. Matthew 8, 3. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Mark says, immediately, the leprosy left him. Matthew says, immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Sometimes we see in the Bible with people that are leper, lepers, that not only were they cleansed, but they were restored. We don't hear that in this one. In all the versions, we don't hear the, the, the restoration. That means that either the body parts weren't restored, just the leprosy was gone, which I would think is more likely than that the, the uh, people who wrote it down for us left that out. But this, we, we spent more time on this before than we did it, and uh, we, had a, we had a lot of fun with it. But there are a number of things going on here. Let me take a look at all the, the stuff that's going on. First off, Jesus moved with compassion. That's one of the first things that's going on. Jesus is moved with compassion. He, he made an emotional appeal, and Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand. So the first thing, he's moved with compassion. The second thing, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing to be cleansed. So there's actually four things going on with this thing. The moving with compassion, stretching out his hand, touching him, and saying, I am willing to be cleansed. Now, what brought about the healing for the man? Is the man healed because Jesus laid hands on him? Is the man healed because Jesus spoke to him? That is actually a huge question. Because if Jesus healed this man by laying hands on him, then Jesus did not break pharisaical law. He broke Mosaic law. Because the law of Moses is the one that says don't touch them. Not the Pharisees. That's the law of Moses. So it's a big deal to know what happened in this. Is he healed because he stretched out his hand, touched him, or is he healed because of what he spoke? Matthew's Gospel and Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. How does it sound right there? 
To you, does that not sound like it, it, the healing came because he touched him? Go back over to Mark chapter 141. And Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing to be cleansed. Now you can't tell from that one either. Doesn't it sound like when he put his hand on him? But fortunately we have Mark 142. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. So when was he healed? When he spoke. So that by the time he laid his hand on the man, he is healed. Because when he spoke it, he was cleansed. How many times did Jesus speak it? One time. One time. How many, don't raise your hand. How many of you have been taught to speak to your situation over and 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 over? It's wrong. Speak to the situation one time, then have conversation, have thoughts, have dreams, have imaginations in line with what you declared. Problem with most Christians is we've declared something to be true, but then we keep having conversations. Well, I don't know when I'm ever going to get healed of this thing. When we have conversations like that, I don't care how many times you wake up in the morning and have that good confession. It's not going to change because you are undoing whatever it is you did every time you have thoughts, imaginations, conversations. You need to get them out. Don't have them. No, go on. When, oh, I've been healed of that. How many, if you, if you listen to the, the one story Brother Hagen tells uh, when he was uh, young, he had just uh, recently been healed off the, the deathbed. He was still very young. He was over there in youth group. And he had that paralysis that came on the one side of his, on his face. How many did not get to hear that story? Fantastic story. Oh, I'll tell you, it was a great story. Uh, he put this to practice. He was, he was a story when he was very young, putting this to practice. Because he, he went on up mid-service, Wednesday night service, and he said, I just need them to lay hands on him. I don't even know what he said. I, just, I was waiting to hear amen. Because once he said amen, it was mine. And he went on out there and he said, well, I got healed. When did you get healed? Well, when I went up and they laid hands on me. But your face is still doing that same thing. His, his smile was only half a smile. It still wasn't going. How, how can you say you're healed? I said, I didn't say it. The Word of God said it. <laughs> he just, you know, how he argues those, those things like that. It took a couple more days before it came out and it wasn't there. But still, he knew. I know I was healed then. But constantly, his conversation was, I'm healed. Other people tried to bring his conversation into another area. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do it. That's what you got to do. You got to be, as the parable taught us before, you got to be persistent in faith, not persistent in unbelief. Be persistent in your acts of faith. Keep going out there. No, I'm not. I don't care what you see. I don't care what I feel. This has been declared. And that's where we're walking in. So he says, as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. So if Jesus knows, if I touch a, a leper, they are, I, I would become unclean and I would break the Mosaic law. So he knows when he declares it, when he speaks it, he knows it's going to happen. And so he is in all one motion coming over, raising, stretching out his hand and he's declared it and he knows now that I've declared it, it's done and laid his hands on him. And that was evidence to everybody around that he is now cleansed. And they could all see that he was cleansed. He was full of leprosy and now it's not there. One time, 
Now, be cleansed here. It's not so much a past tense as a cleansing, as a, as a one-time thing, once and done. But a continue on in the state of being cleansed. Once he declared it, that's, that cleansing is just continually going on. That's how you're, you're operating now. Weiss puts this translation this way. And having been moved with compassion, having stretched out his hand, he touched him and he says to him, I desire it, be cleansed at once. Be cleansed at once. Now, as we said to you, three things happen here. Actually, four things happen. I should have changed that one. But the Greek construction indicates that they all happened at the same time. But the speaking, because of the way, there's a, there's a real funny Greek law that goes in there about tenses, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but what it basically means is that one thing happened first while the other things were going on, and the one thing that happened first is what he spoke. That's why Matthew puts it, or I'm sorry, Mark puts it the way, the way that he did. Now the general word, he had the general word that Jesus could heal. General knowledge, general understanding that he has, now it's been made specific. Jesus made it specific for him. You have the general, I can heal. Now I've made it specific, I will heal you. Now the man needed to receive it, and he needed to hear it. When Jesus spoke it, he needed to not disqualify that, he needed to receive it. Now, there are those who do this kind of thing on their own. Like we said, the woman with the issue of blood. She came to this conclusion on her own. She didn't need Jesus to, to interpret all that. Some people can do this on their own. If others can, so can I. But not by mere imitation. If you were listening to the series I put up there with Keith Moore, he's going over the same thing I've gone over with you before. We've all learned it from the same place. You've got to hear the Word of God. And then when you hear what God speaks to you about your situation, you need to speak it. You need to declare it. If it's something God has already declared over you, like Abraham, I don't need to. But there are times that God says, all right, here is what's going on. And there are times I need to declare it, but I just need to do it one time. But you need to get that Word. You can't imitate somebody else's Word. You've got to hear what God is saying for you. Now, when it said here, the, the leprosy departed... It means to go off from or to separate. That the leprosy went one direction while he went in another. This same word is used for those disciples who no longer followed Jesus in John chapter 6 because of what he was teaching. And they left Jesus. It is the same word that is used in Matthew chapter 19 when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and Jesus told him what he needed to do and he left Jesus. This leprosy went in an opposite direction of where the man was. Weish translates this this way. And immediately there left him completely the leprosy and he was cleansed. Now, did Jesus suddenly become willing or was he willing before? If you are willing, you can make me clean. Did Jesus suddenly become willing or was he willing before? Well, I kind of think Jesus was willing before. I don't think anything happened here that made him suddenly willing. Same thing with all the other people who came to be healed. He was willing, and then they came. So the only thing that... So what is it that kept the man from being healed? Why, if Jesus is willing, and Jesus has the ability, 
Jesus has the power to heal him. Why is the man still sick? Why is he still afflicted with leprosy? Why is this going on? Well, he had not accepted that it was the will of God. For every person is a little bit different. For the woman with the issue of blood, her, her reason, Jesus was willing, the power was there, but she still had her affliction. For everyone, it's a little bit different. Something's going to get in there to try and complicate it. The devil makes you think you're not worth it. You're not, uh, God doesn't, he's not mindful of you. God doesn't care about you. He's not willing for you. Whatever it might be, you've got some kind of hang up in there and you're thinking wrong things about Jesus and that's what's keeping you from it. It's not his ability. It's not his willingness. It's not what he's provided. Look at verse 43. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once. Now, the Greek is really strong here. The English is not as strong as it needs to be. The Greek is really strong. He is saying in a loud, authoritative, firm voice. He strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone. You remember we spent some time on that, right? See that you say Nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Matthew 8, 4 puts it this way. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priests, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, why is this important? Well, it makes no difference why it was important. This is what Jesus said to him. There's a lot of times Jesus may say things to us and I say, well, why do I have to do that? Right? Why? Why do I have to do that? I don't, I don't know. I think that's Old Testament. I don't think that's for us anymore. And we downplay it. Why is that important to do? I tell you this. If it says it in the Bible whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, until I get revelation from the Bible that tells me I don't need to do that anymore, I keep doing it. I don't know why I'm supposed to do this. I don't know why it says to do this, but since it says to do it, I'm going to do what it says to do. That's how we got to take it. Whatever he says, do it. Miracle with Canaan. So he strictly warns him. See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. He gave them specific instructions. Here's what you need to do. Now, how much do you think this man loves Jesus right now? Pretty good amount, right? Let's think back to the lame man at the pool of Bethesda who's been having that affliction for 38 years and had been coming to the pool for who knows how long. How much do you think he loved Jesus at the time when Jesus changed his whole world? How much do you think he loved Jesus? I think he loved him pretty good, don't you? Wouldn't you? If you had been lame for 38 years and somebody walked into your life and restored you so that you're up walking around carrying things, would that not affect you? You wouldn't hate the person, would you? You may not know him, but oh man, I, I am so grateful. I am so appreciative There's a real fond affection that you're having for that person right now. This man is ready to die. Soon. I don't know how much longer he's got. He is full of leprosy. 
He's got so little hope that he breaks what he's supposed to do in society and he approaches a crowd of people and tells Jesus, I need healing. And Jesus heals them. Oh my. No one else has been able to help me. No one else even tried to help me. This man stopped what he was doing, ministered to me, and brought me to a place of healing. Oh wow. Certainly he has come to a place to love Jesus. Wouldn't you think that? The Word of God says, if you love me, keep my commands. Isn't that right? Does he keep his commands? We all know this story. He doesn't keep his commands. If you love me, keep my commands. He's emotional. But he doesn't love them. Because if he loved them, he would keep his commands, right? So this is the problem people have in the area of the supernatural. It is a good thing when the supernatural power of God comes upon you. How many have ever felt that supernatural power of God comes upon you, heals you, restores you, does something to you? I mean, it changes you. It's good. Yeah, and if that's all you get, it will be gone before long. And it will not have any effect upon you. It will not change your life. Remember the lame man? Jesus came to him, sought him out. He says, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Remember that? Jesus, to seek you out, tell you that, he, it's important. You need to follow that. What's the man do? He goes and finds the religious leaders and he tells them, that was Jesus. That's the guy who told me to carry my bed. How many think he's, he's on the path to change? He just had this tremendous miracle done. And it didn't change him. The thing that will change your life is not the miraculous power of God. That may seem surprising. But let me call you to attention to something that happened in Jesus' ministry. Jesus came into a home of some people that he really loved. Lazarus' home and his sisters, Mary and Martha. And Jesus was in the room and he's teaching them. And Mary is sitting there at the feet, Jesus, and listening. Lazarus, where's Martha? She's in the kitchen making everybody dinner that nobody asked for. Jesus didn't ask her to make dinner. She decided that this needed to be done. So she's in there making dinner. She's mad because Mary's not coming in. And Jesus says to her, Mary, Mary, you are worried about so many things, but Mary has chosen the greater thing. The thing that will change your life is not the miraculous power of God. It is the Word of God. Understanding of the Word of God, getting that in your life, that is what will change you. I could make a case for this all through the Word of God. I can show you time after time. How many are doing our Bible reading, every our chapter reading? If you were doing our chapter reading, you came upon a chapter in which Paul and Barnabas came into a place and did miraculous power, so much so that they were going to make Barnabas Zeus and Paul um, Mercury, uh, Hermes, the messenger one, because he was the spokesperson. And they could scarcely keep them from sacrificing to them. 
such miraculous power had been demonstrated in the lives of these people, they wanted to make them gods. And a week later, they stoned them and thrown them outside the city. Why? Because they didn't let the word of God get in them. Constantly, you will see, if you follow through the book of Acts, the people who let the word of God get in them changed their lives. The people who saw the miraculous power of God, and that was it, as quickly as things changed, they would change back. I'm not telling you the miraculous power of God is no good. I'm telling you that without the word of God to come in you, it will not bring about the effect that you needed to have. I don't need to understand why it's important for Jesus to tell me to do these things. I just need to know if he told me to do it, it's important. My understanding of the importance of the command for many people qualifies my need to obey it. Well, if I understand it as important, then I know I should do it. But if I don't understand that it's important, I don't think I need to do it. No, that would not be the case. How many know that it's important to only put gas in your tank in your car? How many know that's important? But if you didn't read the manual and didn't find out that it's important or didn't read the manual to find out why it's important, doesn't mean it's not important. What will happen if you put water, diesel, alcohol, something else in your tank? It'll hurt it. It'll cause some damage. Doesn't matter if you understand why something is important. If it's important, if God says it's important, it is important. And if I love him, all I need to know is he says, it's important, do this. Yes, sir. <laughs> I will do it exactly the way that you said. Because I don't know why that's important, but it's important. This man, get this part down, this man was more a servant of his emotions than he was Jesus. This man was more a servant of his emotions than he was Jesus. He appealed to Jesus on an emotional level. And when it came down here and Jesus told him, now here's what you need to do, his emotions told him, I am so glad for what Jesus has done for me. I am going to tell everybody about this. this he's listening to his emotions. But Jesus said what? Go show yourself to the priest. Offer the sacrifice. That was what was important. But his emotions told him this. You have a lot of times, folks, as Christians, our emotions tell us, I need to do this. Yeah, but the word said to do this. I don't care what your emotions say to do. You have to have the importance on what Jesus said to do in his word. That's why it's important for us to know his word. We need to grow in obedience so that without understanding the importance of what is asked, we obey despite our emotions or influences around us. You can have people around you, family members that are putting you down because you're doing what, Je what Jesus said, what God said, what his word said. Put you down. And they stir up your emotions. Sometimes you might want to listen to those. Nope, nope. It's important that I listen to what the word tells me to do. Don't be a servant of your emotions. How many have read the bulletin quote? What you don't know about that bulletin quote is that it's only half the quote. I couldn't get the rest in there. But it was, it was a great quote. Tom Marshall. If we want the Word of God to have authority in our life, there is only one way. Obey it. 
if we want the Holy Spirit to have authority in our life, there is only one way. Obey Him. Are you ready for the rest? If we always obey impulses of fear or doubt or resentment, what will have authority over our minds? Fear, doubt, and resentment. Ooh, I'll tell you what, I saw that. This is good. If we keep giving into emotion, if I keep giving into fear, if I keep giving into worry, I am giving them authority in my life. And you can stand up in the name of Jesus. I take authority at all you want to. It will make no difference. If you ever wonder why is the authority of God not working for me, perhaps it is because you have not given it the authority in your life. But is it, what has authority is fear. What has authority is worry. What has authority is emotions. That's what has authority. And until you take the authority away from those things and give it to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God, your life won't change. Both Jesus and His emotions gave a command. Look at which one He obeyed. Verse 45. However, He went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in deserted places and they came to Him from every direction. What you can tell from this is that Jesus did not plan on have His ministry be this way. He planned on being in the cities. He planned on being in different spots. But because of what this one man did, he had to go out into the deserted places. And people had to come to him. Now, don't just read this story and not see yourself in this. How many have ever helped someone because they appealed to your emotions? And after you helped them, they hurt you. They didn't do what you asked them to do. You may have, you may have helped somebody out financially. They were in desperate spots and you helped them out. You gave them X number of dollars and you helped them out. And then you tell them, now look, don't be spending money on this stuff you've been spending on over here. Do this. Okay. Okay. And then they get on out there and what do they do? How many been there? Spend money. On the stuff you said, don't spend money on that stuff. Because you don't want to finance that stuff. And you know that if they do, they're going to be coming back. And then they come on back. Oh, can you help me out? And then you ask them, did you do this? Did you stay out of spending money on these things? Well, no, I mean, I had to. That's what's going on here. Jesus... This man appealed to Jesus' emotions. Jesus had compassion on him and helped him and hurt his ministry from this time forward because he helped this one man. Can you imagine that? Jesus' ministry was altered because of what this one man did and all Jesus did was try and help him. Now when it says there, that he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer open, openly enter the city. The word the is not there. Jesus could not enter cities. The cities in that region, he could not enter them. Not just the one city. This man had gone around to all the cities. 
Reese puts it this way, but having gone out, he began to constantly proclaim in public a great deal and to be blazing abroad the account so that no longer was he able to enter a city. A city. See, he puts that in there. But was outside in uninhabited places and they kept on coming to him from everywhere. Now that's great. Many people came to him and were ministered to, but how many people couldn't make the trip? How many people couldn't get out? And that's why Jesus knew some of these folks can't get out to, to over here, so I need to get into the cities. Now he can't get into the cities. There's also another reason why he can't get into the cities. It was important. Jesus knew this was important. Jesus, you all know Jesus has come against pharisaical law in his ministry. He would come against the laws that the Pharisees set up. But he would not come against the Mosaic law. He would come against the Pharisees' law but not what Moses commanded. He was always bringing people back. This is what Moses commanded. By Jesus telling this man this, go show yourself to the priest. Do what the, what the law of Moses has commanded. He is saying, I am not disregarding the law of Moses. I am not disregarding the role of the priests. In fact, I am telling you, go on out there and do that. Let them declare you to be clean. And then you can go out, you know, make the offering. And now you can be clean and operate like a clean person. That's what he said to do. Now, he's going out there and proclaiming it freely. How many people know who heard this? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the lawyers. They all heard this. What? Jesus healed you? How come we weren't involved? The law of Moses says that we're supposed to be involved. Does Jesus disregard the law of Moses? Does Jesus have no regard for the thing that Moses has taught? Does Jesus have no regard for the position that God put us in? And this probably began the rift between the religious leaders and Jesus. And Jesus had no intention of it starting. And he demanded, spoke sternly to this man. Now you do not... Do anything else but go show yourself to the priest. Offer the sacrifice that Moses said. Make sure you do it. It's important. Make sure you do it. But the man went off and he did his own thing because he listened to the voice of his spirit. This man loved Jesus because Jesus set him free. You can love Jesus, but you may not have the importance of his words. Don't tell me that, well, I love Jesus. So therefore, his words are important to me. No. Here's the second case that we've looked at so far where someone disregarded the importance of Jesus for what they were feeling on their emotions on the inside. We don't want to be walking that way. Luke 5, 14, And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came. He was supposed to be a testimony to the people about Jesus upholding the law, but showing the will of God in regards to it. Williams puts this whole thing this way, but Jesus at once drove him out of their presence and gave him this stringent charge drove him out of their presence and gave him this stringent charge. See that you tell nobody a single word about it. 
Be gone. Show yourself to the priest and to prove it to the people. Make the offering for your purification which Moses prescribed. But he went out and began to publish it so much and to spread the story so far that Jesus could not any more go into any town openly but had to stay out in thinly settled places. But the people kept coming to him from every quarter. Williams' translation sometimes just does such an outstanding job on getting these things in there. Well, one who loves Jesus is one who does what he asks regardless of what my understanding is or my agreement is with it. If you are still operating only in understanding of its necessity, then I'll do it. If I agree with its importance, then I'll do it. If I feel like I am good at what I'm being asked to do and it's not too difficult, then I'll do it. I want you to see something about this man. This man went from knowing that Jesus could do. This man went from knowing that Jesus could do to discovering what Jesus would do to determining what Jesus should do. You see that? He wasn't sure if he was willing. I know what you can do. Now I found out what you will do. Then he's telling him what he should do. No, it's not important that I go and see the priest right now. It's important that I tell everybody about what you've done. That's what you should have asked me to do. In less than an hour, he went from being humble and in faith to prideful and in doubt. But likely, he never noticed the change. How easy it is for us to go from a place of being humble and in faith to a place of prideful and in doubt. This man did it in an hour, probably. He may never have known the negative impact he had on Jesus' ministry. But he surely had a negative impact. Jesus had to alter what it was that he wanted to do. When people need something from Jesus, they are more motivated to obey Jesus than after they have received. How many times have you seen that? I am more motivated. People are more motivated to do whatever Jesus says to do until after they get what they need. Just like people are willing to do whatever you say to do until you give them the money. Right? As soon as they get what they need, we need to be people who obey after and not just before. I need to be a person that after I receive what I needed, I'm still just as obedient as I was before. Jesus was moved with compassion. He listened to the words of the man with leprosy. The man moved with love for what he felt, ignored Jesus' words, and did as he felt to do. He loved what he felt more than he loved Jesus. I'm sure this man loved Jesus. But if you're really going to love Jesus, you're going to do what he says. These are important things for us to do. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we want to be brought to a place in our life Well, we do what you say to do, regardless of whether we see it as important, regardless of whether we see it as urgent, regardless of what we feel, but we will yield ourselves to do what you say to do. Help us, Father, to come to a place of obedience like that, that all you need to do is say it, and we will do it.
That's what you're after. Those are the people who truly love you. We give you the glory and the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, glory to God. I hope you enjoyed looking at this story again, even though just last year we went over this. Um, I told you last week we weren't going to do a, an extra video this week because I wanted you to focus on the three from uh, Brother Keith, and uh, many of you are probably doing that. But in case you are not getting into the Keith series all that much, I haven't gotten, I think, maybe two people replied back to me that they were enjoying it. So you may not be, in, maybe not everybody's enjoying that one. I did. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you can, you can find some enjoyment out of that too. But um, in case it didn't, I put up one. It's up there. You can go look at it if you want to. Brother Rick Renners, uh, Nikolai had sent this to me. He found it. I uh, had just posted his teaching on the lame man of Bathsheba. So if you want to take a look at somebody else going over the same story we just went over. He had some real interesting things about why Jesus was in the area and some interesting things about the pool itself that you might, uh, might find good about that. If you are wondering about the bulletin cartoon and what can that possibly have to do with what we were talking about today, it has absolutely nothing to do with what we talked about today. <laughs> but it has everything to do with what we're talking about on Wednesday. Because on Wednesday, we're going to be talking about what do you do when people push your buttons? What do you do when people have hit your nerves? Got you upset? Did some things that you didn't think Christians should do? That's going to be Wednesday. So I hope you can come on out and, and be a part of that. That's what. The, and last week, I, I was going to tell you how the cartoon tied in with last week, and I didn't get to, and I'll bet you nobody figured that one out because I said I better tell them this one but I, I didn't get to that so that's okay we can sometimes skip some of those but I do try and make sure that that also has something to do with with all that um, if you can put that slide back up I just want to show you this before you all go there's a picture this is uh, this is if you were to go to the YouTube channel the church YouTube channel which is Zoe Christian Fellowship 1250 real easy to remember if you, have, if you just go up on YouTube Zoe Christian Fellowship 1250 there you are. If you forget that, ask me. I'll text it to you. If you will see over there, that's the home button. Under the videos, videos tab, everything that I'm posting is underneath that videos tab. You hit that videos tab, the top one is the most recent one. If you go to the live one, all the things we record here in church are up there. But we've expanded this. I had some communication with uh, Raymond this week about the uh, uh, Brother Hagen ones that they pulled down. They put a little complaint up about us. Well, we got that removed. So they were kind enough to do that. And they told me that in the playlist area, that if we create a playlist, we can take some of the things that they have copyrighted and we can't put into our videos page. We can put the link in it under the playlist. So I made a Kenneth Hagen playlist. There are three in there so far. One of them is the one on miracles. Now, one of the things that happened because of this discourse and the things that they had done is the copyright hold that was on the one that I can't find is off. But I made it private because I'm not sure what to do with that yet. So I want to see if I can make it visible for a week or two and then pull it down because they can't find it either. We don't know where this thing is. It was a really good one. So I have it still up there. I haven't deleted it. And if I put it somewhere, it would probably have to go into the videos one. I don't think I put it under the playlist. But if you go to the playlist... You'll see one for Kenneth Hagen. You'll also see that Brother Keith Moore had his uh, week of increased. And so I put a link to all five of them in there. It is the entire service. I am probably not going to pull these things out, extract the teaching, and then post that. That takes a lot of work. Um, 
but if you want to see those things, they are there. Also, something else I put under there, and we'll try and expand this down the road here for you. I made a Wednesday and a Sunday playlist, so if you just want to hear the Wednesday ones, you can just go there and hit the Wednesday ones and just, just play them, and they'll go in, uh, in successive order instead of having to hunt for them. I'll try and do them in, in series. We'll do some more things for them. If these things are helpful for you, you know, let me know. And uh gives me motivation to keep going out there and trying to find some more of those things to do. But I wanted you to see this up there. So go to the playlist one, and you can see the different playlists that we've made up so far. Take a look at some of the links that are in there, and maybe that will uh, help you to enjoy some of, some of these. So we'll find out. if As I find out what I can do with this one missing Brother Hagen, uh, I'll let you know. We'll put that out there. Thanks, all, for joining us today. Wednesday night we'll be here. If you can't be here in person, you can always join on, online. Find out what do we do when people push our buttons. Have a great day and bless some of the folks that are around you.